It's Tuesday, February 1st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers, from income investor James Early, and from Hidden Gems, Seth Jason. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Two to one. Hidden we- Gems is going to beat on James. <laughs> You're right. Don't, don't we do that every day, though? All right, we've got earnings from BP and Tupperware, but we're going to start here in the United States where we may not have the historic flooding that they have in Australia, but we do have what appears to be a record-breaking winter on our hands. Uh, Charlie Travers, 24 states are in the line of fire for this latest storm. 100 million people are probably going to feel the impact. When you look at this storm, I'm guessing you don't see snowfall and that sort of thing. You you see dollar signs. Right, Chris. And <laughs> I, I remember pretty clearly sitting uh, here doing a show with you last week where you denied the existence of a weather machine. Yes. And I think I got to say you're wrong. So we usually talk about companies that uh, are going to have negative effects from the uh, snow in the winter. Um, but there's one company that does stand to profit, and this company is going to print money this winter season. And this company is called Compass Minerals. The ticker is CMP. And this is one of the uh, leaders and actually one of only a handful of companies um, that makes de-icing salt. Uh, they own the largest salt mine in the U.S. It's up in Canada. When you think about the impact, obviously the airlines are impacted. We're, we're hearing at various points over the last month or so of hundreds of flights being canceled, that sort of thing. But who else is likely to feel the impact? Affected by the problem? Exactly. Oh, wow. You know, retailers, retailers actually, they get they get hit pretty hard when people don't go into the stores, especially if the storms come on weekends when they do a lot of their business. So often in the past, you know, bad weather has been the sign of a management looking to blame lousy execution. Like it doesn't happen uh, every year. Yeah, <laughs> but but this year, I mean, there's, there's been quite a bit of bad weather, especially out here in the east. Um, we've skipped a lot of work here because, you know, we live in a place where they don't know how to salt, and when they do salt... Uh, like they they salted the dry roads the other day. I was sometimes they put it. so much salt down. The salt itself creates a traction hazard because exactly. it's, like, it's too slippery. Which is good good for Compass Minerals. And I, as we're talking about Compass, I wanted to point out uh, to those of you who may be peripherally aware of the news about the road road salt price fixing uh, allegations in Ohio. I don't think Compass is named. That's Cargill and Morton supposedly conspiring, allegedly conspiring to charge counties uh, in Ohio too much for road salt. Uh, but road salt, that actually speaks a little bit to the economics of the road salt business. There aren't a lot of companies in that business, so when they do well, uh, you know, there's only a handful that can benefit. James? And if you're thinking about investing in Compass, just two things. First, it is a very slow-growing boring type of company, boring type of industry. We're talking 1% or 2% per year, but the real growth is coming actually from sulfate of potash. This is sort of a high-end Cadillac fertilizer that Compass also makes from all this salt. So it's not just about winter. You, you do get more of a, a diversif- diversified company Excuse me, with Compass. Did you say it's the Cadillac of fertilizers? I did say that, Chris. Wow. I'm not wow. afraid to is that, make is that, claims. Is, is that like a trademark thing? or, or are you? Gonna I do not believe it is trademark, but it is uh, a pricier, uh, more expensive fertilizer. It's not so much something that maybe a, a developing third world yeah. country would use, but but some place yeah. that's trying to make fancier, better tasting yeah. produce. It's a very expensive fertilizer that's only driven by old people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. BP earned $5.6 billion for the fourth quarter, an increase of 30% over the same quarter a year ago. The company also announced it will resume paying a dividend. Uh, James Early, it's worth noting that for the year, BP lost $3.7 billion. What did you make of BP's numbers? You know, 
Chris, uh, I read an interview with Marky Mark once, and he's Mark Wahlberg to everybody else. He's a movie actor, but to me, he'll always be Marky Mark just because I, I liked his original music. And he got like a hundred and something thousand dollar check uh, when he first started out from Calvin Klein for being an underwear model, and he blew it all on a car. So when BP just announced that that you know they're doing a little bit better now, they're going to start paying a dividend. At first, I thought, well, maybe that's they're pulling a, a Marky Mark. Um, they are halfway, uh, and I'll explain that. I mean, a dividend today is sort of like a country club membership, and BP wants to to pay this out. They want to sort of uh, parlay these good results into being a new type of company. Like, hey, here we we're back to, to the old good good old days now that it seems clear that oil spill is not a financial Armageddon. Um, they can afford it now that the worst seems over, but uh, I wouldn't be a buyer now. Well, they could afford it before was part of the issue. And we talked about this at the time on the weekly radio show. And James and I probably argued because he's such a big communist. And, uh, <laughs> but um, so funny. No, BP always had the cash flow to support what was going on. But politically, they had to cut the dividend because you had a bunch of, I don't know, how do I put this in a subtle fashion? Absolutely insane lawmakers screaming and yelling no. about, about how horrible <laughs> it was that they were paying dividends. Yeah. Uh, at the time when they should have, you know, the Obama administration pretty much wanted to put a lien on on all of BP's cash flow. And so they did do that in a way, but they could probably have supported the dividend the entire way. They've got their, they're kind of putting their toe back in the water and uh, they're not paying the dividend at the same level they used to. I think it's the right way to reintroduce it. And I think they absolutely should be paying a dividend. I mean, this is, this is an oil company. That's what they're in business for. And let's not forget that you're not talking about just delivering dividend payments to a bunch of cigar-smoking plutocrats here. This is a stock that is owned probably by everybody listening to this show uh, in one fashion or another, either through a mutual fund, an index fund, uh, through a retirement account, and so uh, or or insur- I mean insurance companies. All sorts of, of entities own BP, and they own it and to some degree for that dividend. Uh, and so they absolutely do need to pay that out. And they're also trying to, at the same time, remake the company or at least. Uh, put the veneer on of a remade company. They also want to sell that uh, that Texas refinery that, that exploded, uh, killing 15 people a while ago. So they're trying to sort of do a bit of a big bath uh, with PR right now and get rid of all of the bad news at once. So James, the fact that they lost nearly $4 billion last year doesn't put you off the, on the notion that maybe they should wait a little longer you before know, paying Yeah, they dividend? did lose almost $4 billion, but, but they and they have to allocate $20 billion to this ESRO account for Gulf claims, but they have $20 billion in cash now, and they're in the middle of selling $50 billion in assets. So they have a lot of money. Um, the big question is, and, and I agree with Seth, I'll just say that in the beginning, we didn't know what sort of liability this oil spill was going to entail. So now that we know it doesn't seem to be too bad, it's a lot more feasible that they should be paying this dividend. But if you want to invest in BP, remember, it's not just about the dividend. It's not just about the Gulf oil spill. This is a company that is still struggling to bring back uh, serious production growth. They have production issues, uh, access to oil issues. They are selling off refining, which is a less profitable business. That's, that's good, I think. But it's still a regular oil company underneath. So evaluate it on those terms as well. Yeah. And, it, and it ain't as cheap as it was a while ago. I mean, it was 60, it was in the 60s, I think, before the oil spill dropped down into the 30s. I, if you were listening to the radio show, I was thumping the table going, buy this thing. I and was going to say, you, the, were, you were buying a couple of times of last the, year. In the high 40s. Uh, I think that's still an okay long-term value, but it's definitely not uh, stupid cheap anymore. And finally, Tupperware's fourth quarter profits dipped on charges the company took, but the results were better than expected, and the stock up 13% today. 
Charlie Travers, 13%. What is going on with Tupperware? That's pretty huge, and it's a, it's a good sign that uh, Tupperware is not your grandmother's uh, Tupperware company, uh, you know, the kind of company where you would store your flour and your leftovers and that kind of stuff. Um, the Tupperware of today is actually a stealth emerging market play where over half of their sales come from emerging markets. And interestingly, it's not just uh, little plastic containers that they sell anymore. A big business for these guys is uh, health and beauty kind of products, especially overseas. Health and beauty? Yeah, Tupperware? Avon like, type stuff. Yeah, yeah, like face creams and that kind of stuff. But under different brands, right? It's not like Tupperware face lotion. No, they, no. They'd come in Tupperware containers. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you're there, you know, if you're already at somebody's house forcing yeah. them to listen to your spiel about Tupperware, you might as well say, I also sell hand cream. You know, <laughs> It's more efficient that way. Yeah. Seth, what'd you make of their quarter? Tupperware is a funny stock because you forget that it even exists, at least I do. I'm looking at their website and I'm seeing products that look exactly, these are their Valentine's Day gifts and uh, I don't know how I'd feel if I got one of these, but the, <laughs> the products look exactly the same as what I remember when I was a kid, but maybe it's hip again because of Mad Men or something. Tupperware, it, they do a pretty good job. If you look over the past few years, margins just keep creeping up. They, they produce a lot of cash, pay a nice dividend, but as a, if you're looking at it as a stock to consider buying, I would say be really careful when you buy it because the stock tends to fluctuate on a price to earnings uh, multiple of sort of between 10 and 20. And we're about in the middle of that range right now. But the stock, I mean, if you can get it for 10 times earnings, I think you're doing okay. If it's creeping up towards 20 times earnings, I think the history shows you need to get out. I'm not the smartest husband in the world. But I'm smart enough not to give my wife Tupperware for Valentine's Day. I mean, you know what? I'm sorry, Tupperware. <laughs> Valentine's Day products on your website? Really? I'm thinking that we are going to send uh, Tupperware products to your wife and sign your <laughs> name on the card. All right. All right. Time to test your knowledge of what you know about Tupperware. Uh, quick, uh, quick true or false here. Uh, true or false, according to Tupperware, somewhere in the world, someone hosts a Tupperware party every 7.1 seconds. Charlie, true or false? I'm going to say true. This James. sounds true. That sounds too frequent. False. Flace. It's false. It's actually every 1.7 seconds. Wow. wow. So I was right for the wrong reason. You were right for the wrong reason. Uh, That's all that matters. When Tupperware inventor Earl Tupper sold the company to Rexall Drug in 1958, true or false, he remained as CEO for the next 23 years? I will guess false. I'll say he took the money and ran. True. I would love it to be false and that he went, you know, to the beach with his sweetheart, and uh, but I bet it's true. Uh, wow, it's 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 uh, scary how pressing some of the comments were. It's false. Uh, here's what Earl Tupper did when he sold the company in 1958. He uh, sold it for 16 million. He divorced his wife, bought an island in Central America, and then he moved to Costa Rica, where he gave up his U.S. citizenship to avoid paying taxes. Wow, Earl Tupper. American hero. Wow. Uh, That's a patriot right there. And finally, true or false, Tupperware's top-ranking salesman for the last four years is a man who actually dresses in drag. Charlie? Um, Given what we said earlier about the health and beauty products being so important, I'm going to say an emphatic yes, this is true. It's got to be true. James? I hope so much that it's true, I have to say true. It is true. Uh, Yes. Kevin Farrell, who is a journeyman actor... Uh, actually dresses in drag and uh, plays a character, a tipsy Jack Daniels heir by the name of D.W.I. And he's been the (laughs) top-selling salesman for Tupperware the last four years. So there is a camp thing going on here, at least with their top salesman. Uh, Apparently there is. We need to dress up in women's clothes more often, guys. More often than what? (laughs) More often. (laughs) All right. Seth, Jason, James Early. 
Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And, oh, I mean interest. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.